Hey, beer lovers. Welcome to the Brews Less Traveled Beer Club and podcast. We have another amazing episode here for you today. We're going to be speaking with Gavin Toth, the general manager and co-owner at Divine Barrel, as we continue exploring the craft beer scene in Charlotte, North Carolina. We're going to be tasting their Pleasantly Plum Berliner Weiss and their Ribbon Reflector West Coast IPA. Your taste buds are going to get everything they need because these two beers are on opposite ends of the spectrum. And I love that your taste buds are going to get an absolute workout today. And I cannot wait to share these beers with you. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Brews Less Traveled podcast and beer club. I'm your craft beer loving host, Molly Lamb. We are back in Charlotte, North Carolina today, and we're going to be drinking two beers from Divine Barrel. I'm super excited about these. I'm joined with my co-host for the month of October, Mary Catherine. MC, how are you? You want to say a quick hello? Hey, Molly. Uh, Thanks for having me back. Excited as always to be here. Absolutely. And we have some fun inclusions in our box. I really love this Carolina blue backpack. I think this is great to kind of go hiking with. It's got the crown logo on here to represent the queen city. And it's in the beautiful Carolina blue. As everyone knows, I love to kayak. I have already taken this kayaking with me. So super fun inclusion for all of our beer club members. Really love that. Got two beers. We have a Berliner Weiss, which is going to be tart. And then we have a West Coast IPA, which is going to be more bitter. So your palate is really going to have an expansive experience tonight. We're going to give it a little bit of everything. Those taste buds are going to dance for sure. You know what I have to say? Most excited about probably the Berliner Weiss plum, just because I don't know if I've had plum in a beer before. Mm. Mary Catherine, have you had that? Yeah, I don't know that I have specifically interesting when you talk about like beer tastes, you know, I don't know that I know what a plum really tastes like. So I'm interested to see what it tastes like in this beer. I know what you mean. It's like you have an idea of what something tastes Mm -hmm. like. And then when it's fermented in beer, it can be completely different. So I think this is going to be really exciting one. it's definitely one of our more unique beers we've had. Yeah. It'll, it'll be nice to have a nice bitter kind of West coast IPA. I always, always love that to kind of round out the, the, your taste buds and sort of like wipe it clean a little bit. So I think that'll be a nice balance for sure. Yeah. I'm excited to try like a little bit of an old school, dare I say old school, IPA. Uh, You don't see too many of them. So I'm excited. Yeah, me too. And uh, we have an awesome guest tonight coming on. We're going to be chatting with Gavin Toth, who's the co-owner and general manager at Divine Barrel. So super pumped to have him on in just a little while. And Mary Catherine, are you ready to crack open a beer? I say we start with the West Coast Ribbon Reflector IPA. What do you think? Yeah. Yep. Let's do it. That sounds great. Going to use our Bruvana glass. Mm, Me too. I'm going to do a nice little slow pour here. Already has a beautiful golden color. Mm -hmm. I feel like this beer is sort of dancing in the glass as I pour it. It just looks beautiful and effervescent and really lovely and delicate. Yeah, nice and clear. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Oh, wow. This is, you know what? It is actually a little bit lighter. And you were saying, Mary Catherine, it's like a little bit of a lighter color. Right. It's beautiful. I was just about to say it's a little, just slightly fruitier than I expected it to be. Um, I think the hop um, is like nicely balanced, like not punching you in the face with bitterness, like 
really well balanced with some, some fruity citrus. I think they dry hopped this one too, a little bit. Yeah, it's so good. So a little bit more about this beer. It clocks in at 6.6% ABV and it has a whopping 96 IBUs. So that is the international bitterness unit. So that is clocking in the bitterness of the beer, which you will typically find super high IBUs in an IPA because they're using a lot of hops. And when they boil them, like they're doing in this sort of traditional West Coast or American style IPA, it's extracting that lovely resin found in the lupulin gland of the flower of the hot plant. Yeah, delicious. That's going to have a really high IBU. Don't be scared off by that because it's not necessarily the same as the perceived bitterness. Usually brewers will find a way to balance it. So it's not just punch you in the face bitter. So don't be scared if you don't like bitter flavor and you see high IBUs. I always like to say that it's not necessarily mean it's going to be bitter. This one does have a nice, nice drier finish to me. It does have a nice bitterness. I find it very refreshing. And I just kind of feel like the mission of this beer is really clear. And it's to kind of hit your palate with loads of dank hops. And they did brew and dry hop this IPA with a lot of fresh Citra, Chinook, and Columbus hops. And it's dry with a little bit of like zesty sort of grapefruit peel. Yeah, that kind of pithy finish to it. I really like that in an IPA. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's where that fruitiness was coming from that you were saying. It does have that kind of like bitter fruit flavor. Super good. And also like a touch of spicy pepper on the finish. Yeah. And a little like vegetalness. Are you getting like that vegetal, like real big hoppy, um, almost like you're chewing on like a fresh hop cone? Absolutely. You really do explore the hops in this beer, I feel like. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I find that really common in these West Coast style IPAs, Mary Catherine, that sort of like bitter grapefruit quality, that like grapefruit peel, like the rind almost. Mm -hmm. Like, so you don't get like the super sweet tartness, you get that bitter juice flavor. So this one's really nice. Right. I think they definitely balanced it with those other, yeah, like you said, the more classic sort of resin piney Mm -hmm. hops. But Mary Catherine, how have you been? How's your week been? Oh. I had a great week, actually. I haven't, I haven't even gotten to tell you that I went on a little beer travel of my own this week, made it up to Chicago and drank a lot of awesome beers, um, from dovetail from keeping together, um, half acre. It's a really, really good trip. Nice. Yeah. What inspired that? You just kind of wanted to go explore. Um, You know, Missouri where I am is really great for road trips. And, you know, a friend and I had the the weekend to do something. So we uh, had my husband take care of the dogs and we got in the car and drove to Chicago. We weren't there for very long, but plenty of time to get some really awesome service. We got awesome service absolutely everywhere we went. And yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. And you really know about service. You've worked in hospitality mm. for a long time. So yeah. I really respect your input on that, you know, cause it is such an art to, to serve people and to kind of yeah. create an entire experience. It's not just about the beverage or the food you're eating. It's about right. everything kind of start to finish. So right. and yeah, it's easy to kind of slip into, um, some snobbery in, in service and in hospitality. And I did not get that at all. Like anywhere we went in Chicago, um, everybody was very open to like wanting to genuinely help me like find the best beer to drink and, you know, not, not judgmental at all. It was, it was a really great experience. I totally recommend it, you know, 
to everybody that I saw somebody earlier say in the chat that they're going to have to start, you know, going to all these beer cities. I definitely have to plug Chicago there real fast. I know what you mean. Sometimes the service industry, I mean, I lived in Brooklyn in a very trendy right. neighborhood in Williamsburg for like 12 years. And right. yeah, you know, sometimes it was like this, the fun was sort of sucked out of the experience right. by someone that just didn't want to be there. Look, you know, we all have bad work days. I get it. Like sometimes you just don't feel like being there, but it's like, come on, you know, fake it till you make it. And especially in Brooklyn, it was like, okay, I'm paying like $9 for this beer or whatever. And, yeah. and you know, it just, and they can turn an experience. It can totally turn a frown upside down. You know what I mean? It can really make it so much better, even if you're somewhere kind of mediocre yeah. and the, the beer tender or, you know, anyone is just super friendly and lovely. It can just make it such a better experience. You're like, you know what? Right. Maybe the food wasn't the best, but our service was great. So right. I felt taken care of. So yeah, we went to this care. great place called, um, hop leaf and they do, they have a really great food menu and then they kind of specialize in a really great like Belgian beer menu, um, along with a lot of other things. But, um, I was kind of overwhelmed by the amount on the beer menu to take in and our server like greeted us and immediately like asked if she could help with the beer menu and said, you know, don't feel like shy to ask any questions. This is literally what I'm here for. Like I want to answer any question you have. And yeah, that was just kind of like the theme of the whole trip. It was really great. I had a Spencer Trappist ale, which I've never had anything from Spencer. They're the only Trappist brewery in the United States. So that was a real treat. I was really excited about that. Um, and then I made it over to Half Acre, which was definitely the highlight of my trip. Half Acre works with Avery Swanson. She's a, She used to be the head brewer at Jester King. Now she's a one-woman show brewing out of Half Acre. And she is called Keeping Together. She does like mixed fermentation, really beautifully nuanced beer. And it was absolutely incredible. That is awesome. You were someone who like, you know, so much about beer. I mean, you're highly, highly educated and you've really been doing it for a long time. So I've just been loving having you on here with me because I feel like I've learned so much from you oh. and like the way you describe things and everything. That's such a great and, compliment. Thank and, you, Molly. Oh, 100%. I mean, you're, you're very educated with beer and I know we've hosted uh, some beer and cheese events with our sister company, Unboxed. Right. And it was just so fun with you. The way you sort of take people through an appraisal is really great. Yeah. I joke that I just like lead beer meditations at this point. <laughs> I love that. And you said that you said like, I made it kind of meditative yeah. and I love that you really kind of take everyone on a little bit of a, like a, an aroma sensory journey. Yeah, it's, very it is. it's all five senses, you know, and when you start drinking beer, with all five senses, like it just changes. It's an experience rather than just drinking a beer real fast. You know, I told you, um, I had someone on a call recently tell me that he usually just gulps beer, but after talking to me, he might, he might sip it and drink it. And that was the best compliment, right. That I've ever received. And like, if that's all I get out of doing this job, getting that one guy to not gulp his beer, I've, I've, I've done my job. Honestly, yeah, it's like I get a little misty-eyed thinking right. about those types of moments, like where someone just learns to sort of enjoy beer 
in right. a little bit of a different way. Right. You don't have to love it. You can still drink your Bud Light and Miller Light. Look, enjoy your life. Do what you love. Right. But if we can just get you to expand your palate just a touch. Maybe right. try a dark beer when you don't think you would like dark beer. Right. And and just sort of sip it, try it with food. That's, that's very, very cool. Yeah. And while you guys sit back and enjoy this beer, we're going to share a couple facts about Charlotte with you. Interestingly enough, only 12 people have ever walked on the moon. One of them was Charlotte native astronaut Charlie Duke. And I also wanted to mention a few fun things to do when you visit Charlotte. There's the NASCAR Hall of Fame. It's open every day, 10 to 5. They are closed on Tuesdays, FYI. There's also the Levine Museum of the New South, and their exhibits focus on life in North Carolina after the American Civil War. Right. And Charlotte is also called Banktown because it's second only to New York City for the country's largest bank center. So Bank of America is headquartered here, and so is Wells Fargo East Coast Operations. That's so cool. I would have never guessed. I would have thought that it was Chicago. Right. That would have been my, that would have been my guess, just right yeah. I also don't care at all about banking, so don't <laughs> quiz me on it. Like, like no, no interest whatsoever. You didn't move to Chattanooga, Tennessee for the banking? That surprises <laughs> me about you. Shocking. No. <laughs> my dad was, he came up here for dinner the other night. He was like, who do you bank with? I was like, that's such a 70 year old man question. I was like, I, I don't even know. I was like, I deposit my checks like on my phone. Right. I literally, I don't know who I, I mean, I, I, I do know who I bank with, but they're like not even in, they're like not even in Tennessee. I was like, that's <laughs> hilarious. Who do you bank with? Like that's such like a dad question. So cute. <laughs> Dads show their love in such a interesting way. I know, such a very specific sort of like polarizing, boring way. But no, my dad's actually very cute. But I laughed at that question. Right. Also, uh, while you guys hang out and catch a nice vibe with this beer, let's learn a little bit more about Divine Barrel, who we're drinking tonight. So first of all, I really enjoyed my time there. It's super laid back. It has this great, cozy, chill feeling. I was there on a Tuesday afternoon, but I could tell that they were really trying to cultivate a relaxing environment, which I appreciate. So Divine Barrel started off as an idea back in 2015 and through the process of writing a business plan, finding a building, money, supplies, all of that, it finally became a reality in March 2018. And they were lucky enough to find a location in the Arts District of Charlotte. It's called Noda. So the Noda area was actually their first choice in location because they knew the community was just outstanding there. And I've heard that from many Charlotte natives. Hmm. Yeah. And they chose the word divine because of a particular meaning that they were very fond of, um, which is unusually lovely. Um, and they really believe that all beer should be cared for and nurtured into meeting its full potential, uh, which I obviously just love. Speaking of beer meditation, um, the barrel part of their name really alludes to the growing family of specialty spirits and oak barrels that they use. Um, and that allows them the ability to age beers like stouts and barley wine. I know that is so cool. And I love the idea of, you know, really thinking about the potential. Of right. Beer. You know, because beer is something that is very man-made, unlike wine that is very of the earth. But there's right. still this quality of beer. All the ingredients do come from the earth. And yes, it is man-made, but there is this potential there that you have to kind of nurture and let grow. So I really Science love Science and art combined. 
Absolutely. Let's welcome on our guest this evening, Gavin Toth, co-owner and general manager at Divine Barrel Brewing. Gavin, how are you? Hey, everybody. Doing well. How are y'all? We're doing so good. We're happy to have you here. We're going to open this pleasantly plum fruited Berliner Weiss with you. What are you drinking right now? Are you drinking anything fun? I poured a pleasantly plum as well, just to taste it along with y'all. Perfect. And then I've got a new West Coast. Yeah, well, I would say new. It's sold out in two weeks. So I literally have the last can in the building sitting right next to me um, of our latest West Coast. So wow. I'll be sipping that too. All right. Excited. Yeah, Pleasantly Plum is a, uh, a beer we brewed at the beginning of the pandemic and we brought it back recently. Changed up the recipe a little bit. But yeah, we're really happy with how this turned out. It's, it's one of the best sours. I, actually, tonight at dinner, uh, my head brewer and business partner, uh, same person, said Pleasantly Plum is one of the best sours that we've ever put out. So I'm glad you guys are sipping on it. Mm. Oh, that's incredible. And yeah. you can definitely tell that there is lactose in there just from looking at it. Lactose always gives kind of a nice head, I noticed too. Yeah, it, it helps. Uh, it doesn't give the best head retention, um, but it, you know, with that un- being an unfermentable sugar, it helps with body and it helps reduce some of the sourness uh, of a Verlander Weiss. Um, so we like people to be able to taste the nuances of every sour. So get that plum, vanilla, lactose in there. Uh, and then some of our other sours have even more ingredients in it, but we want to make sure that you can taste all of them. Absolutely. I'm a big creepy beer smeller. I just sit and smell my beer for a while. Cheers, guys. Yeah. Cheers, everybody. I'm going to give a little information about this beer also. Go for it. So this one clocks in at 4.6% ABV and has just five IBUs, with nice contrast to the West Coast IPA we just tasted. And this Berliner was fermented with uh, the extra help of, of vanilla and lactose. And then they really heavily fruited this sour with juicy plums. And you can taste that right away. And I would say it's kind of mildly tart up front. And it's got this cool wave of sweet vanilla plum that kind of rounds everything out and it's got a super luscious mouthfeel i noticed right away let's take a beer break we're tasting two very different beers with two very different flavor profiles and as i mentioned at the beginning this would give your taste buds a real workout but how do taste buds actually work So first of all, the idea that we have a tasting map on our tongue has actually been debunked. What's really happening is the fact that your taste buds have little hairs that are sending messages to your brain about how something tastes. Your taste buds are the true taste organ, and each taste bud has between 10 and 50 sensory cells, and adults have between 2,000 and 4,000 taste buds. When the taste transfers to the nervous system, this is the final step, and it's done by several cranial nerves. At this point, taste is combined with different smell signals. Smell actually makes up a lot of what we taste. So next time you taste a beer that you love, give a little extra thanks to those awesome taste buds allowing this experience to unfold. Now let's get back to the episode. Yeah, super easy drinking, smooth. Again, we want you to be able to taste that plum and not just be hit with something overly 
puckering. Yeah. So it's just one of those things where we chose plum because we were like, why not? Let's give it a try. It's one of those flavors. Like you said earlier, MC, what does a plum taste like in normal everyday life? You probably eat one or two, maybe a year, and then you move on. Well, we wanted to put it in a beer and kind of figure it out. And yeah, we just really liked the way it turned out. And that's why we brought it back. Um, The first time we did it again was early in the pandemic. And we just had this really basic logo, like logoed can for it. But this, this go around, we had our uh, can designer hand draw a plum for, for the can. So yeah, everything he does is all hand drawn, even the fonts that we do super easy drinking sour. We do a lot of different sours here as well as a lot of different West coasts, of course. Yeah. And I'll just add, um, you know, speaking of the the plum in this Berliner Weiss that, um, you know, one reason this tradition of adding fruit syrup actually, at, you know, it was at the time to beer began was to work within the confines of this rule in Germany called the Reinheitsgebot, um, which is a German beer purity law that said that beer could only be brewed with hops, water and malt barley actually specifically they said not just malt barley um, but the law actually didn't say anything about adding fruit after the brewing process so it's tradition to add a little fruit syrup to a berliner vice which uh i wonder if maybe that's kind of what inspired you to to do a beer like this yes so we actually did our base berliner vice um probably about two years ago and we offered four different handmade syrups and that kind of kicked off a little bit more of these ideas so we were trying to follow that tradition and then we saw the change in popularity of Berliner Weisses across the nation. And, and so we said, screw it, let's do it too. Cool. So, I love that. I love that the Germans have to escape themselves. It's like, we created this rule. Now let's try to get out of it. But also, Gavin, I want to know, what is your craft beer origin story? How did you get into the industry? So I've been working in restaurants since I was 15 years old. Went to UNC Chapel Hill at kind of the beginning of the craft beer boom. So 2008, 2009, at least for North Carolina, I started uh, managing a restaurant and helped turn it into more of a craft beer bar. My first two craft beers would probably, that I remember vividly besides the couple of local ones in Chapel Hill, um, were Highland uh, Gaelic out of Asheville, North Carolina, Mm. and then Rogue's Santa's Private Reserve, which I'm not sure they make that anymore. That was one of their hoppiest kind of red ales that they made. uh, And it only came out during Christmas time. So I I loved that time of year uh, to get that beer. But I started homebrewing around the same time and figuring out, man, I'm really, really into this. It's my goal to open a brewery. And the restaurant group that I was with wasn't quite ready for that. So I moved to Charlotte and found my my two friends scott and ben um probably in about 2014 we we all became friends and uh yeah just started cranking away at brewing some more beer ben has been brewing gosh for a little over 20 years now his wife actually gave him his first homebrew kit and so she's responsible partially for him making such great beer when we first got to be friends he had countless ribbons from homebrew competitions across North Carolina. First place, a lot of them, a lot of them. I was like, these aren't just participation trophies, man. So that was, that was pretty neat. The first beer I ever had of his was an Oud Bruin. You don't see a lot of homebrewers doing a big sour like that. That's really complex and, and hard to make. So, I mean, it's the yeast job to make it, but he, he brewed the beer. So 
That's awesome. And that is that where you guys got the name, the Ribbon Reflector? Ribbon Reflector uh, is actually a part of a lyric of a song by Fish called Cavern. Uh, so a lot of our beers have reference to music, specifically the West Coast will usually reference Frank Zappa. Every now and then we stray away and we do something like fish or what I'm going to crack here in a little bit, how the West was won, uh, a Led Zeppelin live album. Yes. So, and it's a West Coast that we did in collaboration with some good friends down the street called Triple C. Uh, but yeah, we, everything for the most part comes from listening to way too much music. Well, I don't think that's a thing, but I, I'm a huge, huge Zeppelin fan. And that is one of my favorite albums. And do you, have you brewed anything with a Zappa hop in his honor? We did. We actually brewed a, another West coast with our friends at resident culture. And that I think is the one only time we use the Zappa hop. Mm. We didn't love the flavor. Uh, unfortunately, but it might've been the mixture of the other hops that we used. I can't remember if it was an exclusive Zappa hop, but yeah, every now and then, you know, I have certain hops that I steer away from. Uh, even if it's a West coast, I'll be like, Nope, not for me. I'm good. I can always tell, Oh, does this have, you know, I'll remember the name as soon as I look at it. But like one of the ones in, uh, the, how the West was one is Muteka. I typically don't like that one. This time I did. You know, so huh. it's sometimes yeah. the combo. Right, exactly. And I'm also, I'm curious about your barrel aging program and just kind of more specifically, what goes into barrel aging beers? Sure. So we, first of all, acquiring the barrels is always fun. Uh, the first time we bought barrels, we went in with three other breweries here in Charlotte and bought 200 red wine barrels that was crazy so it you know a big couple of 18 wheelers show up and they just kept coming and so we use those they they ended up being kind of neutral uh so the red wine had been dumped for a little while so you were getting a lot of oak and a little bit less red wine but a lot of the importance of the barrel aging is picking out the barrel uh with this being our first foray into picking out barrels we're like oh sweet they're cheap they come from a good winery. Let's see what happens. And we ended up putting some really good sours in there, but they ended up not having a lot of that red wine character. Some did more so than others. We've gotten really into the bourbon barrel aged stouts. Uh, we've done uh, bourbon barrel aged breakfast porter. Let's see, right now we have a really good barley wine sitting on cognac, bourbon, and apple brandy barrels. We've switched up what bourbons we've, what bourbon barrels we've picked out. I mean, I know we've had kind of the cheaper four-year Jim Beam. Then we've gotten some Willet barrels that are twice the price. You know, it just, it varies. And with barrel aging, you have to try it periodically, which is, you know, darn so unfortunate. So you'll stick a stainless steel nail, uh, nail into the barrel and you'll do what's called pulling nails and you get to sample all the beers. And what we'll do is we'll pull nails on a single batch and we'll try each individual barrel, let's say the one of the batches of stouts that's in uh, bourbon barrels right now is in six different barrels. So we pulled all six, we combined one, two, three, four, five, six, then we combined one and two and then two and three. And so it, it is kind of one of those fun, like almost sommelier type things where you're getting different notes off of each. Oh, this one has a lot of oak. This one has more bourbon. Let's blend the two and see what we like. 
It's so cool. I love that. And I'm wondering, do you find barrel aging more useful in stouts or sours? So at this point, traditional sours, they aren't selling really well in the United States, even though people still search for some of these, the loons, the cantillons, et cetera, for American made, they're kind of hit or miss. So we still have one that we've had sitting, it aged for 13 months in barrels. We have it sitting in bottles right now and we're picking the right time to release it, but it is an excellent traditional sour. So we tend to lean more towards the barley wines and the stouts right now, but we still keep some stuff hidden away. We've got some other sours aging away right now as well. But then, you know, that's totally different than this Berliner Weiss or a Goza that those aren't aged at all. That's a kettle sour. So, I mean, these traditional sours, one of my favorite styles of beer but you see them sitting on shelves for a long time. The fact that I can, you know, go down to our local bottle shop when they have a Cantillon release and pick up a bottle an hour later, that's that's not the way it used to be. It used to be, if you're not there early, you're not going to get it. So what are, you know, you talked about the the sours not being the most popular thing right now. So what are some of your top selling beer styles? Definitely uh, the West Coast would be, probably our number one at this point. We stopped brewing as many hazies, but uh, our West Coast are probably our number one style along with the sours. Our uh, Carolina Cobbler series has taken off. Uh, We rotate the fruits around with that beer, but we've done blackberry cobbler, peach cobbler, strawberry, strawberry rhubarb, cherry, blueberry, and we did a mixed berry, which was my personal favorite. But that style has vanilla lactose, graham cracker, and then the fruit cinnamon as well. So that just, that crushed it for us. Mm. That kind of put us on the map for sours in the beginning. Yeah, Cinnamon is one of my favorite flavors. It's one of my favorite things ever. I love how it looks. I love how it tastes. I love how it smells. I love everything about cinnamon. I put it in my coffee every single morning. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, uh, ben, uh, my business partner and his, his, um, he, uh, his wife is allergic to cinnamon. So certain beers, he'll just put it in there so she can't have it. Cause he's like, it's so good. But her name is also Mary Catherine, a.k.a. MC. So when you were introduced, I was like, this is weird. I've met like two or three other Mary Catherines in my life. That's so funny. I have a very very best friend named Mary Catherine. I call her Mary Kitty. That's wild. And I'm Mall's cat. So we're we're, we're Kitty and Cat. Mall's cat and Mary Kitty. That's so cute. I I have a a, a real fondness for Catholic women that carry a, a name around like this. So it's, it's a real bond we have. Um, I would love to drink a beer with your, with your friend, Mary Catherine, all of, all of your friends, Mary Catherine, that sounds great. Um, so Gavin, you know, you talk a little bit about, you know, Molly asked about the, the sours versus the stouts, but is there anything that you and your team are having to learn like new techniques or anything when it comes to brewing or aging in wood? So we are going to kind of, dive into some barrel fermenting. Uh, So instead of fermenting in steel and then transferring the barrels to further ferment, uh, we're going to do some primary fermentation in barrels. I've had a handful of beers that have been directly barrel fermented and they were great. You definitely get even more different characteristics because the yeast will pick up certain nuances, but we'll do some clean beers in barrels, which should be a lot of fun. We did do a spelt saison and spelt as a grain that we barrel fermented about a year and well, two years ago at this point that turned out really well. So we want to dive back into it ourselves. We did that as a collaboration. 
we did it here, but we had some coaching from the other brewery that we worked with uh, wooden robot just down the street here in Charlotte. But now we're going to do it without so much coaching and, and try different styles. And I had a barrel fermented uh, West coast IPA from Sierra Nevada, which mm. I don't, I don't want to barrel age a West coast, but I do love bourbon and I do love West coast. So it was, it was weird, but it was good. Yeah. I love that. It was weird, but it was good. Yeah. Yeah. Leave it to Sierra Nevada. Yeah. Yeah. They know what they're doing. Um, And so I also noticed Gavin on your website, you know, it looks like you guys have a, and Molly mentioned earlier, your location. um, It looks like you have a really big focus on community. You know, you're working with the Ronald McDonald house with the local radio station. Um, I'd like to hear maybe more about like your vision, your hopes for Divine Barrel um, as like a community space and what kind of community you're hoping to cultivate like now and also like looking forward. Yeah, thanks so much for asking that. That is something uh, that was a part of our like foundation, the beginnings of Divine Barrel. We wanted to I mean, we have a 3000 square foot tap room. That's, that's a gathering space. That's not just a place to get really close to somebody at the bar and and say one more, please. You know, this is to, we have one TV that is rarely ever on because we want people to be off their cell phones. We want them to talk when they can and just kind of gather and working with the local radio station. It's, it's to help support them because they they bring us the news they bring the majority of the news to a lot of our clientele uh we work with a lot of local nonprofits. that whether it's you know helping out the local dog and cat shelter we typically focus more on humans a lot of a lot for education and and neighborhood upbringing you know we just want to make sure that the folks around us understand that we're here to support them because they support us so much and so it, it makes it easy to be a part of this neighborhood by giving back and just making sure we're in as many conversations as we can be with the people that are in our neighborhood. And I think that's so wonderful. You guys are so involved in the community. And I'm curious, with such an amazing community in Charlotte, what is your ideal day off in Charlotte? Oh, man. So I'm huge vinyl nerd so i often go to a place called lunchbox records but then my all-time favorite in town is a place called tip top and it's kind of a place for sundries but then they had this nice side room that is all records run by a buddy of mine premium sound he curates some great used records and uh great new records too so i can go there grab a beer from tip top and sit and talk to Luke who owns the premium sound part and just pick records all day. That's a lot of fun. And then definitely um, try and hit up my fellow breweries. Uh, Let's see, we went over to uh, a newer one, Devil's Logic the other day and hung out for a few beers. And that was really cool, really cool view of downtown. But yeah, I mean, we just, we hang out with, you know, and a lot of time is honestly spent too much time at Divine Barrel. Honestly, if, if where I worked was a tap room, if, you know, Bruvana was a tap room, I would spend a lot of time there because, you know, I love my coworkers and I love the environment that's cultivated. So I, I understand that. And I think that's really amazing. And Gavin, as we wrap up here, it is time for our rapid fire questions. We change these up every month. The idea here is to not think, just answer. Gavin, are you ready? Sure. All right. Petal sours or wild sours? Wild. Okay, favorite type of beer glass? A tulip like this. 
It's mine too. Marzins or pumpkin ales? Marzin. Okay. Beer flight or small pour? Small pour. Flights are better for the brewery though. Yeah, I get it. I'm agreeing with a lot of what you're saying. Not that that matters, but I always love these (laughs) questions to to really kind of get to the nitty gritty. Uh, 12 ounce six pack or 16 ounce four pack? 16 ounce four pack. Gavin, it's been a pleasure having you. Is there anything you'd like to plug? Uh, somebody mentioned our run club earlier. So I know many of y'all don't live in Charlotte, but yeah, we do a run club every Thursday at six 30. You know, we're, we sell, you know, we, we've done our beer with you guys. We don't really distro distro outside of North Carolina, but, um, you know, there are other options out there that, that we have sold through, but, you know, join some of our local forums here in Charlotte and learn more about our beer. Follow us on Instagram, uh, divine barrel CLT. We have lots of fun shenanigans on there. And again, we're doing and some pretty cool events so if you make it this way please stop by say hey to me and mention that you were here tonight and i'd love to have a beer with you and i i maybe could ma- you know mail some out there but i don't know i have to say this west coast ipa now that it's warmed up a little mm-hmm. bit i'm getting like moral notes from it like we we typically don't go back into a tasting at the end of our show yeah here's our latest it's another clear clean west coast How is it different from the ribbon reflector that we're tasting today? So 0.1% lower, different hot profile. We've kind of dialed a few of our base batches with the West Coast as well as with some of our sours. So we'll use a lot of the same base malts. We make sure we secure a a lot of the high quality base malts. We use a lot of Maris Otter. We use a lot of, you know, uh, two row for this, of course, and a lot of Pilsner malt uh, in West Coast IPAs really uh, gives great mouthfeel and great body. So a, a boatload of Pilsner malt, actually. Mm. And yeah, just messing up with what hops we can get, what hops we want to try, what hops are new. Truth be told, a lot of women are more prone to dislike hoppy beers than men. So it, it's just another genetic thing. And it's kind of wild. I went, I went to the science of beer at a science museum in Durham. North Carolina years ago, and we could actually try that, you know, the chemical compound that was in hops on a little tablet. It was like taking LSD. If you've ever done that, I haven't, I just hear things, but you know, you'd put it on your mouth and you'd see people like, Oh God, that was horrible. And my buddy and I, who were homebrewing together, were like, I, I taste paper. Like, what are you guys talking about? But yeah, I mean, we just, we get to have fun with it and it's fun doing tasting panels with different people too, because seeing the reactions is all over the place. You taste piney, you taste citrus, dank, et cetera. That's cool. And women actually have more taste buds than men. And that's why more women are actually more super tasters. I wonder if there's something about bitterness that we are kind of picking up on like a more intense level. That's very interesting. I actually, it that. goes way back to like the Neanderthal times, if you really want to talk about it. And it's the hunting versus gathering because women were more often gathering berries and uh, leaves and things like that. Bitterness usually meant poison. And, and so that is genetically why women can be predisposed to like, you know, why you're the super tasters, why you have better palates and, and everything. So it's, it's pretty neat to know that, you know, yeah. and, and to understand that. 
when you taste bitterness, your body kind of automatically assumes poison. And then when yep. you don't heal over and die, you actually get a little hit of endorphins. Hmm. Yep. One IPA is always like the perfect touch for me to like get a ton of energy for, you know, because of those endorphins, it's kind of wild. I, I actually completely agree with that. Like I, after an IPA, I kind of feel like ready for more beer, like in a weird way, it's not just expanding my palate, but it does sort of do, there's something to that. There's something yep. very scientific to that. I love it. And isn't that cool? I know. Yeah. yeah. I used to, uh, you know, along with bartending, I've always also farmed and there's something about taking like a five o'clock break and drinking a beer that like gets you ready to work more. And <laughs> you guys are really solving that puzzle for me here. Weird? I know. <laughs> it's something about the bitterness that your body was sort of like, well, thought I was going to die. Didn't die. Didn't. Let's go crush it. Let's go. Let's go nail it. High five. Like, right. Next time you're tired, just bite on a lemon and see what happens. Mm, no okay. idea if that works. I just want somebody to do it. Okay. <laughs> Gavin, it's been awesome having you. Thank you all so much for tuning in today. Thank you to my wonderful co-host, Mary Catherine. We are going to be ending our month in Charlotte next week, I'm sad to say. But we're going to be visiting New Grass Brewing. Uh, and we're going to be tasting their hummingbird cake pastry sour. This is the first time we've actually had a pastry sour like this on the show. Super pumped about it. And I think it's going to be a knockout way to wrap up our time in Charlotte. Thank you all so much. Cheers. Thank you all so much for tuning in. It's always a blast having a beer with you. Don't forget to sign up for the Brews Less Traveled Beer Club. And this way you'll get the beers I've been drinking delivered right to your doorstep. Plus exclusive access to our weekly live streams. You can also follow Bruvana on Instagram and me as well at Molly underscore Brews Less Traveled. I always love hearing from you guys, especially if it's a beer recommendation. So keep the messages coming. Cheers.